Good morning, listeners, and welcome to another, our first podcast for 2023 of The Meeting Room. We've been quiet for a while, uh, been busy, um, and hence our silence. Um, but as for those who aren't aware, The Meeting Room is a safe space. It's a brave space for us to navigate together um, the what it means to be an anti-racist in South Africa. Hi, Karen. Yeah, hi, Hayley. Nice to be back. It's yeah. been a, it's been quite a busy old time. Hey? We've all gone yeah. back to pre-COVID busyness, busyness. and routine. Yeah, and so uh, uh, we apologise, um, listeners, did. and we've got we've got a whole bunch of exciting visitors and um, people we want to interview for this year. But Haley and I just thought we'd do a check-in um, mm. as a start to this year with this podcast. Um, yeah, so I think just before, just to let the listeners know, the, no, even though we, we haven't um, had a podcast in a while, the meeting room mm. um, still meets every month. Mm. And so we are going into our third year now yeah. of meeting together um, as um, women who have a different vision um, for South Africa. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I want to, I know you're going to, we're going to move into that. But I was so aware, um, I was listening to um, Ruth um, Bader Ginsburg, um, the Live to Lead, um, and they spoke about um, that she had, she was prophetic in the sense that when you have prophetic imagination, and I know we're using Christianese language, but in essence, it's seeing, it's seeing um, the change um, or the country that you want to see that's not there at the moment. And so I think as a meeting room, we've been a bit of, it's been a bit of that, mm. where we have a different, where we're imagining something different. Mm. We know change has to happen, um, but we're not quite there yet. Mm. Mm. So um, Haley and I were kind of wrestling with what, how to frame today's discussion, because we we know what we want to talk about, um, but nothing was, was settling um, until we hit on this amazing mm. idea which is um, we want to kind of explore one question, which is in what way or how has the meeting room been a beacon of hope um, in our lives personally, um, in our little community where we live, and then obviously when we reflect on our city and our country in 2023. So for those of you who are perhaps listening and you are not from South Africa, um, you may or may not know that South Africa, um, this you know, is beset by a whole bunch of issues, uh, post-apartheid issues, um, that we land ourselves in 2023 with quite serious um, issues around uh, electricity production or maintenance or being able to keep the lights on which sounds like a very silly thing to say because it's much more complex than that it's basically being able to supply electricity on an ongoing basis daily basis mm. um, for all of our country and we are not able to do that which has led to a fairly organized um, program which we've had for a few years now but it's intensified over the last kind of two, uh, two years um, a, a schedule where, whereby for most of the country, there are parts of the country that who have electricity outages that are not scheduled. Um, and, and those are often the places where poor people live. Um, 
And that, and that is, in my opinion, a grave injustice because there is the schedule. Um, and so we're, we're all subject to a, a schedule based on the level um, that we're on. So let's say we're on level one, then there'll be a certain number of hours mm. that we do not, we know that we do not receive mm. electricity depending on where you live. Um, and that can, we've gone all the way up to level six already. Mm. So which, sometimes it's three times a day, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's usually two hours, sometimes it's four hours. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it's, we are very fortunate that there is the schedule. There are many countries who have um, electricity outages. We're not alone in that. And they just, it's arbitrary. So we are, but it has kind of plunged us into real, real crises around all sorts of things, as one can imagine. Mm. Um, you know, businesses have, have been mm. having to close um, because they just can't sustain the mm. cost that it takes to look at other ways to keep mm. electricity going. Um, and so we already have massive um, unemployment. And so it's, it's a grave crisis that we're in um, as collectively as South Africans. And so I guess that will be part of uh, why is the meeting room a beacon of hope? Hmm. So I think it's because if you look at why the meeting room started, we said, imagine, imagine we got this right. I mean, wasn't that the, the, the question we started with? Um, imagine as a group of women, different women of different races, navigating this space. Um, and I think the first thing, what gives me hope about the meeting room is that women have come um, every month. We've had very hard conversations. But more than that, I think it's the, the otherness. Because I think in a Western society, it's very individualistic. So it's, what, it's me, my family, and, what, and the pursuit of comfort. And I think um, um, it's the otherness because we're looking at it's considering other people, even though you don't understand and you're not in that position. It's looking at um, historically how people have been impacted, livelihoods based on the color of their skin. But it's also given a rise where it's not only from this conversation, it's not only race. You know, we've looked at injustice as a whole and inequality. And we've explored what is inequality, what does inequality look like, and and also the role that we can play in that. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is not our concept. It's Tomatas mm. be who wrote how to be an anti-racist, how, how to, to fight, fight racism. racism, and he basically works with this model. It's called the ARC model, and it's awareness relationship. And commitment and in essence it's the head the heart the hands um and i love that because i see us moving through that so it's the awareness we do need to know history how it's impacted we do need to be aware of um the social injustice that apartheid gave rise to the racial injustice but then we've created the relationship so in proximity you now mm. having women of color and white women listening to each other but also we we are navigating this so it's mm. in proximity to someone who has been impacted by racial injustice and and the c of the arc model is commitment but in essence it works out it's the action mm. so now we know this we've heard the stories 
And now what do we do? So it's always, it's not a, um, a woe be me, oh, I feel overwhelmed. We've actually, how do we, in our sphere of influence, um, impact people's lives posit positively? How do we, we alleviate um, where we can um, the, the trauma of and the impact um, of racial injustice? Mm. I mean, I think, mm. what do you, what, what? Yeah, what? yeah, I, I think um, it's, so those three things, awareness, relation, relationships and commitment, as a, I think it kind of happened without reading his mm. book. We, it just kind of yes. happened. Um, but the interesting thing that I think happened to particularly the white ladies is that, you know, one of the things that happened in apartheid as if we look at um, white supremacy, because that's basically what it was, is that white supremacy centers whiteness. Mm. And so us as white people have been at the center of life in South Africa. Our needs have been met. Apartheid made sure that everything was in order for us. And I think for many, many South Africans, it comes as a bit of, white South Africans, it comes as a bit of a shock that mm -hmm. you're not at the center of things anymore, you know, that everything doesn't revolve around you. And so that slow dawning, it's more slow for some people than others, has left people kind of, I think, feeling quite hopeless um, and helpless and not knowing what to do. And many white South Africans are choosing to leave um, South Africa and while I think there is, I do believe in freedom of movement, people must go and come as they, as it works, you know, the push and pull factors. I do feel quite sad that people land in that place um, after having benefited so much from everything that this country has to give. Edu good education, um, yeah, the focus on white people and then, yeah. Anyway, that's another conversation, but that is my personal sadness. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, but the, the, so I think what happened in the meeting room is that um, the white ladies, particularly, have have been pu pushed in a healthy way to be decentered. So because we were having these hard mm. conversations that you were talking about, and not just hard or, or difficult um, because of the past, but mm. also like. What does it? We've been doing a whole section, and we're not finished yet on, on on the land in South Africa. And so, what does that look like? And I mean, I don't know many people who are having that white people who are having that conversation. So that's very interesting. So it's because you've been placed in a position where you kind of now are thinking, oh, from another person's perspective, mm. what is what happened from another person's perspective? You no longer just thinking of it in terms of me, myself, mm. and I. So you kind of forced into that forced in a in a healthy way not in a horrible way to um to to you've had your blinkers taken off and and that's actually a very healthy thing um and as um one of the ladies in the meeting room robin always says once you've seen you can't unsee and so you're it changes the whole way you live because you can't Look, one can choose to put the blinkers back on, but that's even hard work. Mm. So once they've been taken off and you see things, which which doesn't mean it's simple, it's still very complex um, for what they are, then you, you it's gonna it's gonna inevitably mm. lead to a different way of living. Yeah. 
and I, and I think um, what you said is so it's a, I think the space is uh, I want to say a not perfect space mm. we we come with vulnerability it's not about getting it right or saying the right thing we've debunked that earlier on but what I see is um, giving our women in information um, so that they can um, challenge like erroneous narratives mm. um, around race mm. in South Africa and how we've seen their own narratives change mm. and it's we're not always going to get it right I mean you know but but just having that awareness so I see that is very special mm. and the other thing the the resilience of these women to stay the course yeah. it's a messy journey it's hard unlearning something mm. um, that you thought was correct it's hard mm. um, challenging um, a, a viewpoint of life that you've held for some time um, and sometimes it's hard challenging like the community that mm. you learnt it from. And so to have these women who have stayed the course mm. with us mm. and um, have the very hard conversations and not just theoretical mm. conversations, mm. we've actually gone to the heart level mm. where how does this um, mm. change the way I love a fellow mm. human being or I, how I see a fellow human mm. being. Mm. Um, and since we have mainly Christian women in the group, it's how do I see another human being that's different from me was made in the image of Christ, mm, if mm, I am a Christian. Mm. So on a whole lot of levels, we are challenging how they show up. It's not mm. just, I love that that we, how do we live? How do we live here mm. in South Africa, um, given uh, the, the issues we have? How do we live as contributing South Africans mm, mm. that that is contributing to the flourishing of all South Africans. Mm, mm. Um, and I love that, Hayley, because I think that is one of the things that shifted. And it sounds like a very silly sort of basic thing to mm. say, but, you know, people by nature can often live very selfish, inward lives. And definitely this group has has caused people to go, well, how can I impact my faith community? Yeah. And we've seen that. We've seen, we've seen people really struggling to challenge and confront and to be a voice in places where there's are injustices, including faith communities, where it hasn't gone well and it hasn't been easy and continues not to be easy. Um, so it's not just in this, it's not like a little holy huddle where we sort of navel gazing. It really has had implications where people have stepped out and it hasn't always, it's not, it hasn't always been a straight journey. Um, and therefore we can be a support to one another as mm. each of us is, you know, kind of in a different space mm. where that's mm. happened. Um, in school spaces or in our own families. Mm. Um, some ladies have really are really struggling with family members who, um, you know, harbour deep outspoken racism and mm. they're having to navigate that. So so we've tried to up like skill mm. one another, give each other tools, but also be support for one another. And that is it's it's so encouraging to see people who who see, um, and I was thinking like, you know, you're our Live to Lead, we're busy doing mm. a series on Live to Lead, and Greta Thunberg was the second one in the series, I think, and she said, um, the, the quote that I wrote down from her, she said, the world needs more people who care and make mm. a difference. And I thought, exactly, that's exactly what the what a group like The Meeting mm. Room can do. It can give people a safe place to unpack stuff within ourselves and understanding, but then also a place where you really encourage one another to keep on caring beyond mm. that little group mm. so that you impact um, 
you know, the the society mm. that you're in. Even your children, someone spoke about the mm. fact that they it had shifted the, the narrative within their home uh, for their children so that their children wouldn't be living with blinkers on as mm. they had been, for mm. example. Um, and, and this weekend we went to the district, we began this year with the, the District 6 Museum, which is a museum in um, Cape Town, um, which, which is there to act as a, a memory, a memorial of the stories and the impact that forced removals had, particularly in District 6. District 6 was not the only place where forced removals happened in South Africa. Um, and when we left, we asked the question, what, what will change because of where you've been? And the one lady said, I keep thinking of all the people I can bring to the District 6 Museum because it's a place to start the conversation when mm. you do something like that. And so it's those little mm. gems which are real encouragements for me personally. But I think it's also realizing often when you're looking at something like racial injustice, which is bigger than we think it is, even though apartheid is no longer, um, you think, oh, my little group that we're meeting and discussing is not having an impact but we are doing deep unlearning and relearning and that takes time which we've been doing mm. um but i love what you said about because because brian stevenson um and for those who are either watched live to lead or seen our instagram pages he's a he's an activist lawyer who focuses specifically on um incarcerated incarcerated um, individuals who've been unfairly or incorrectly incarcerated. Um, he says, when they asked him, like, what would you, you know, um, what would your advice be? He says, always be on the side of love. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I loved that because mm -hmm. if we operate like, how do I be on the side of love in South Africa mm -hmm. um, for the, my fellow South African who's not flourishing? And, and I think then it gives you options instead of saying, I'm feeling guilty because I've been so privileged. So it's a good starting point. You know, the narrative is, oh, because I have now, I must give. And I think that then makes it a duty. And it's not going to feel like it's sustaining. But if you always say, how do we how do we show up and act mm. always on the side of love for our fellow um, South African citizens, that then changes what you can do and also motivation for continuing to do mm. that. Um, and, I, and I see the meeting room as that mm. space where, where you realize there are others mm. um, and that how do we influence just our, our little group and then, you know, it broadens out from there because mm. it's that ripple effect. You know, our kids see us doing this mm. and that's going to change the way they view their role in South mm. Africa. Because, I, I mean, I think it is about, I think South Africans... Um, and unfortunately, we have a very first world view, and we're not first world view of what it means to be a citizen. Mm -hmm. um, in many first world countries, their government looks after them. But actually, being an active citizen doesn't mean that your government looks after you. It means like, how do I contribute to the flourishing of everyone as a citizen? You know, um, and is imagining what I would like South Africa to be. Mm -hmm. And to look like, mm. um, so it's again moving from the I to the we, mm. Mm. Um, I and and I so I, I think especially mm. in a developing country like South Africa and a very very young democracy mm. in comparison to other democracies, it's like if we get that right, mm. 
okay instead of moaning with the powers that be how do we hold them and it's simple things like mm -hmm. how do you hold we have this beautiful constitution how do we as south african citizens hold the people mm -hmm. who are bound by the constitution accountable mm -hmm. and and together not just because often we see you know service deliveries often in in poor black and colored neighborhoods um and white people never get involved but imagine if we have a unified voice over issues that didn't necessarily affect us but affected our fellow south african what kind of pressure you would put on both provincial and national government to actually hold them accountable and so i think we need to the thing i love about this group sorry i've now digressed is the we slowly unifying um over the way we show up as citizens yeah just to comment on that as well it's like um, you know, sometimes the issues in, in our country, particularly when you live in a city like Cape Town, as opposed to a smaller town, where perhaps things feel like you, you can get accomplished more, um, it feels overwhelming because so, the need is so great and there's so many issues. Um, but I think the meeting room, and so, so it feels you know, like you need so much money or whatever to fix whatever. Okay, that's just a starting point. But what we did was we we did one of those sort of collectives. Mm. So every month we give a certain amount of money into an account. And then at the end of the month, at end the end of the year. of the year, we had actually a substantial amount of money. And we were able to um, buy some really, um, you know, uh, needy things for that, for Senotando, the, the orphanage that we are walking yeah. alongside with. with yeah. um, and, and that was because of this little group mm. so by ourselves we wouldn't have been able to do it mm. but as a collective so it's 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 kind of spurred action on mm. and not just to give him money but that's one mm. example so that was very exciting um and i was thinking Haley, you know i was listening to jacinda arden so jacinda arden is the the fourth and um, i'm sorry listeners if my dog has a little bark uh do apologize um uh, Jacinda Arden, I think she's the fourth in the series of Live to Lead. Um, and I just love how she spoke about, um, oh, she's, she's an extraordinary human being. She spoke about what the world kind of need, needed in leaders. She was talking about politicians. But in a sense, we're all leaders where we are at one level or another. Um, and once again, she also said that same thing that Greta said about needing people who care mm. so it's once again opening your eyes to the other to living what did brian stevenson say to live with love well how yeah, did he uh, put it always be on the side always of be on the side of love mm. so it's that kind of other loving care idea um and then she also spoke about being on the side of empathy and i think that's what kind of um has happened to this group is that their care part of themselves has been opened up. Mm. Um, because we've delved, we've gone and looked at the history and, and we've really like gone, heck, what happened? Mm. Um, and so people no longer just see people who are different to them as someone that's different, mm. you know, and sort of being blasé and not caring about it. But their care, their care, their care part of themselves has been opened. Um, their kindness and their empathy. And if you look at South Africa and all the millions of issues, surely that's how we, little step by step, as active citizens, mm. Sadie, what you're saying, 
Surely that's how we make little inroads. It's the it's the little stories. It's mm. those stories of hope. Yeah. Um, I, but I also think what it's done for our ladies is um, what was I going to say? Sorry, Luna is Karen's <laughs> dog's busy and I'm <laughs> deadly distracted. Um, is that it's often often people who have been more privileged in South Africa are very single narratives around the issues of South Africa and it's not um, our our problems or our history did not start in 1994 <laughs> and and the book we're reading another country we're still reading it um, Charlene Swat says that um, that our past casts a long shadow into our present and and unfortunately we have to go there you know I know people say oh but you know we were talking about the past or we must just get over it we could, we can finally get over it when we've had the conversations and when people are on an equal plane. So there's no simple solutions. We realize in South Africa it's complex and it's hard and it's difficult. And I think taking that into consideration when you're looking at something like gangsterism on the Cape Flats, for example, um, is that it's not only, if, if you're not in that community, you don't understand the complexity and the history of it. And and again, what I've loved being a part of this group is that we keep on going back to the history because it may not be, we may not ever have the same conditions like we had historic, historically, but the learnings from, the hist from history, um, we can't discard. We can never discard history as not being relevant to our future because especially in South Africa, it is very relevant to what is happening now. Taking aside... The, you know, the government and the provincial and the national government. And I think often, um, in fact, I would not want to defer how I show up as a citizen only in terms of government because because we get to the little spheres that, that provincial and national government don't get to. So if we impact our little neighborhood, what that can mean. And I'm, I'm watching the Live to Lead reminded me of that because they were all up against the odds. Mm -hmm. We look at, I've had to uh, relook um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and um, Brian Stevenson. They all had to have a vision of a different um, future. It wasn't, and there was, the odds were stacked up against them. I think um, in Ruth um, Bader Ginsburg, she said there were 500 um law students when she was at and nine of them were women were women so then to become um this feminist icon and change the the legal landscape of women and and the spaces they had access to um you know she never had that when she started out um and i think it's it's yeah. that you know we always um people who have made a difference we can think of nelson mandela we can think of bishop tutu they didn't start with the ideal conditions no. and they just, they probably started with the question, what can I do? Yeah. And, and then you have this movement. So, so almost in every case, the odds are always stacked up against them. And I think often in South Africa, we look at it and think, oh, it's just so overwhelming and the odds are stacked up against us. Yeah, but, but historically they were stacked up against every other person that had um, massive impact yeah. in the world. And so I think it's also changing that, you know, as to, oh, it's just so devastating. I want to go back to bed. What can I do? Like, what is my role in this? Um, and I believe as citizens of any country, 
you always have a role to play. Whether it's holding government to account, whether it's fighting an unjust law, um, we never meant to just pay taxes and mm. and and sit mm. and accumulate wealth. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, no, your country is not here just to support your yes lifestyle or your flourishing. <laughs> okay, that's you know, I mean, I, I constantly use the word flourishing, yeah. but I think. Um, I would want to take South Africa will be a great country when all is flourishing. Yeah, totally. um, and yes, it's very idealistic, but I would like to think that when just looking at at um, the you know the lot that we've been looking at mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. live to lead, they were all idealistic. You have okay. to start with the yeah. ideal of of yeah. what you want to see your world looking like in yeah. order to to be, to engage action. I mean, if you think of and it was risky. If you think of Albie Sachs, he had his. Yeah. Um, he lost his arm, lost his arm and, yeah. and then he lost his life. And, his eye, and, and people did lose life. their yeah. lives. And I think, Haley, thank you for reminding me of that. Because like in the December holidays, Doug and I went up to Joburg. And we went to visit the Pachat Museum, which I've, we'd never been to before. Um, and it was so... We spent a long time there, about four hours. Um, so first of all, if no, if you guys haven't been, it's a really... really uh, I hasten to use the word beautiful, but it's a beautiful museum. Um, and it's full, full, full of lots of information. Um, and I do feel sorry for people who don't know much about South African history because uh, we went with the lens, so we were we were able to say, oh, yes, remember when that happened and blah, blah, blah. But but it, it's, it's really well done. And the interesting thing is to rem- that struck me is a, a reminder that, that people fought against immense odds in apartheid. The, the apartheid government, we have to remind ourselves, was draconian in its opposition to, um, to the ANC and ZAPO and mm-hmm. any um, body who was going to fight them. They fought with absolutely brutal methods mm-hmm. against um, what they perceived as their enemies. Um, and they would not st- stop at any. They they would not stop at anything. It was insane. And yet, despite that, people, um, activists, ordinary people, continued in their whatever daily life to fight. You know, obviously not everyone, but but loads of people mm. continued to fight despite the fact that you could lose your life. Mm. I mean, you could, and people did. Mm. Um, and so we're not. Like when we look at South Africa and it feels like we're in a really, really terrible place, and I'm not saying that we're not, but we're not there. And people, despite their circumstances, still continue to fight mm. against an unjust system. And so if we feel in any measure this is, a, you know, there's there's something that needs to change, well, mm. we are the ones yeah. that can do that. Yeah. And I think that's given me... I mean, I have other pockets of hope, obviously, in the work I do. But I think that's given me hope with regards to the meeting room, is that these women show up, um, they're vulnerable, and it's what can we do. They've, they've, and I think it's it's this this small community we, we, we're forming. And even though it may not be having impact provincially or nationally, we are having little impact not only on our ways of thinking, which often is a very thing, very important thing that we have to change mm. when we think of South Africa, um, but also in 
you know, how we can make a little small difference mm. for for the Sinotanda, for example. Mm. Mm. And it's and it's in these little steps. Mm. We often think we need to take gigantic steps. We're just taking little steps. We're having conversations. And and I think also to show up authentically mm. as different races mm. um, in a space every month. Mm. Um, and to form a little community, because mm. we have. Mm. We've, we've formed a, a very unique community from what we've heard, mm. what people have told us. It's not a community you'd often find. No. Um, so it really is a brave space. And, you know, we would love other people to mm. do it too, because it is definitely doable. Mm. Um, one of the interesting things that uh, Greta Thunberg said when she was asked a, about hope, mm. and I found it interesting reflecting on her, her, not just her answer, but the fact that she was in the, this Live to Lead as a young, you know, a young, a young leader. And she's not the only activist, she just happens mm. to be probably a very well-known one. Um, is that she, as a young person, said that there's you see hope um when you see people acting mm. and i thought isn't that interesting mm. that those two things go together it's a hope is something that's a it's a doing it propels you yeah and so therefore you see you know if you're sitting back not doing anything uh, you you that does feel hopeless doesn't it but it's almost cyclical isn't it you 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 do something yeah and then you feel more hopeful and then you do yeah. something more. Yeah. So it's almost not cyclical. It's circular. Circular. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so it, so I think, I mean, as we kind of wrap up, the, the thing that gives us hope is that that in this group, we're actually generating hope. Yeah. Um, despite the conversations, because every shift in mindset and shift in narrative and uh, shift in the way we show up in spaces is making us yeah. hopeful. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Karen. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening to our thoughts. Um, please be on the lookout for our podcast. We have some interesting people um, we will be interviewing this year. Um, we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram, and um, which we post quite regularly. Mm. Um, and um, be on the lookout for it's next week's um, Instagram and Facebook when we. We will be taking um, some of the um, aha moments or some of our, our um, ladies' um, thoughts and ideas of their visit to District mm. 6. Mm. Um, yeah, and just to say that we'd love to hear from mm. you. Um, yeah, send us your thoughts, email us, uh, pop, a, pop us a yeah. little message on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get some feedback from yeah. you. Thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye, everyone.